pilgrim and a stranger traveling through this world of woe. I'm going on now. Red yonder city, oh Lord, over on that other shore. I've got a mother, sister, and a brother who have passed this way before. I'm going on now. You know, there's a lot of songs about grief and mourning throughout our history, Christian history, because they deal with mourning. They deal with the issue of loss, the answer to loss. As I said on Wednesday, on the, or in the midweek message, if you get a chance to watch it, that grief comes to you when you're not expecting it. It comes knocking. It seems like an interruption of your normal life, but over time, you, and the longer you live, the more you realize that it is a more of a companion, maybe an unwelcome companion, off on the in the shadows a little bit. A companion that more and more, when you really love well, you realize is part of what it takes to loving well. See, life hurts when you really love people. Losses hurt when you really love things and love what you do. You know, the pandemic, as I said earlier this week, has taken a million of our fellow country, uh, fellow citizens, moms and dads and grandmas and sons and daughters. I've known quite a number of people that have died from COVID, COVID-related things. 250,000 children have lost their primary caregiver because of the pandemic. And that doesn't even account for the, the countless numbers of people that have just died from the regular um, deaths that happen. You know, this is the reality that you and I are going to have to spend time in the house of mourning if we will live any length of time. This, um, these times where you see, like I said, these, these mass, these massacres of children's in schools or shoppers just out getting dinner, many of them, uh, just on their way to a church meeting. And these things, when we watch them on the news, seem very abstract to us, but the grief is unbearable. The mourning that those people are going through just now, beginning, is, is going to have a long-term reality. As a matter of fact, they say that the outcome of just the pandemic, not to mention all these other things that are seen to pile up, whether it's Tulsa or whether it's New York or Texas or wherever it might be, that the millions of people that have passed in these recent years, there will be really decades of mourning. Many of you right now maybe are sitting in the house of mourning for one reason or the other. You're traveling down that valley of shadow. But Jesus came to bring us restoration. That's the real 
good news of the gospel is that Jesus came to bring restoration. As a matter of fact, I do agree with what Philip Yancey said, the writer who said that the theme of the Bible is not all these other things we get wrapped up in, but it is a theme that says God gets his family back. That's such a beautiful picture if you read all the way through. And one of the things that you need to realize is that in the middle of that journey to get his family back, Jesus enters into the house of mourning. He'll enter into your house of mourning. There is always someone getting bad news every day. Matter of fact, even in my own case, I've had a couple of my friends pass away in the last week. There's always somebody getting bad news about something. As a matter of fact, this very second, somebody's having a, getting that phone call. There's a door knock. And while Jesus was in, in, our, in our reading of the book of Luke, while Jesus was still speaking, remember he was on his way to deal with this very sick little girl, the synagogue official's daughter. And while he was on his way, then there was a woman who, who touched the hem of his garment and was healed, and he stopped and dealt with her. And while he was still speaking, verse 49, someone came from the house of the synagogue official saying, your daughter, the, your daughter has died. Do not trouble the teacher anymore. In other words, the father heard bad news. You know, I don't have any easy platitudes um, or answers to the loss that you're experiencing in your life or have experienced recently. But I do believe with all my heart that Jesus will enter your grief. The Bible tells us in Hebrews 4, 6, it says that he is not untouched with the feeling of your, the feelings of your weaknesses, of your pain. Jesus enters your grief. That's what happens in Luke eight fifty. When Jesus heard this, he answered him, do not be afraid any longer, he says to that dad. Only believe, and she will be made well. And when he came to the house, he did not allow anyone to enter with him except Peter and John and James, the girl's father and mother. And here's what Jesus does in the middle of your grief, in the middle of your mourning. Jesus offers hope in your grief. Now there were, they were all weeping and lamenting for her doesn't really tell us um, uh, for sure exactly who this was. Maybe a group of mourners outside, but certainly the mom and the dad. But he said, stop weeping, for she's not died, but is asleep. And I, I want to make a point here to, to put things in context. Jesus did not mind weeping and grief. He did not mind that. As a matter of fact, we know this is true, and in John chapter eleven thirty four, he said, speaking about his, at the grave of his friend Lazarus, who has already died, he says, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And, and then the next verse, the shortest verse in the Bible, Jesus wept. As a matter of fact, the word wept here, we see it also in Luke chapter 19. But where we see this, it literally means he wailed publicly. He didn't just have a you know little you know, little politician or movie star tear, he literally broke down. Now, we're trained in our culture to think that weeping like this, losing it in public, 
is weak and childish. And yet Jesus shows us that this is the evidence of strength and really the evidence of maturity. Someone who has the freedom to love, the freedom to be okay with their own emotion, with their own sense of loss. You know, this is important because two-thirds of the Psalms is really about lamentations, about praying to God, about the heartache and the disappointment and the the anger that we sometimes feel in life, because we really do. But and the and the people around Jesus when he wept, they got it. Verse thirty six it says, So the so the Jews were saying, See how he loved him. You see, the culture that Jesus lived in was informed by the Old Testament. And mourning and grieving was considered central. It was not common for men to maybe express it quite as freely as Jesus did. But it was considered, it was considered honoring. And they gave space for mourning and grieving. Many societies do. Jesus did not mind weeping and grief, as I said, but what he did mind was hopeless grief. And so when he told them, don't, don't, um, stop weeping, stop crying, because she is only asleep, they began laughing at him, knowing that she had died. They knew for sure that this wasn't just a faint. You know, we live in a time of unbelief. We live in a time of a lot of grief and a lot of mourning, a lot of people living in the house of mourning, but they're living there with no hope. They live in hopeless grief. And when Jesus is present, there is never hopeless grief. Where Jesus is, there's always hope, even in the most difficult thing, situations, in your situation. That's what Paul wrote about later in 1 Thessalonians 5.13 or 4.13, he said, We do not want you to be uninformed, brethren, about those who are asleep, so that you will not grieve as do the rest who have no hope. I know you're going to grieve. There's always grieving. But I don't want you to grieve as those who have no hope. And he says, here's why. And remember, this is after the resurrection. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who have fallen asleep in Jesus, those that have died, he is saying, if you believe, same thing that Jesus said. I want you to imagine this. You're in a terrible situation. Someone has died, maybe a child. How much difference does the presence of, the, of Jesus make in the house of mourning? For those families, whether it's your family or those families in Texas or in New York or in Tulsa, or maybe my friend, the family, those of you that maybe are watching, family of Cricket, or of Chuck's family, maybe in your own family or extended family, what difference does it make in the house of mourning? It makes all the difference. Because Jesus has the power in his time, in his time, to restore all who trust him. He, however, took her by the hand, verse 54, and called, saying, child arise listen i love this and her spirit returned she got up immediately and he gave orders gave orders for something to be given her to eat jesus never answers the hard question of why she died 
whether it was fair, whether it was, you know, just, why suffering was allowed in this case. What he always does is promise restoration. Jesus doesn't answer all of our questions here about why this had to happen and why that had to happen and why this terrible thing happened. What he does is promise restoration in, even in the most crushing losses. This little girl, of course, is, was a restoration, not a permanent resurrection. This little girl is the first fruits, is the sign of what will happen to all who trust him, to everyone who has gone to the house of mourning, who is trusting and believing in him. This, she is just a picture of that. Jesus didn't heal everybody while he was on earth. He came to bring signs, to be the first fruit, to be the picture of this is what will ultimately happen. And it will be permanent in the next time. And that's why I want to say this about Jesus. You know, we get it in our mind that it's always going to be a certain way. He did it for that little girl, so he's going to do it in my situation. But Jesus always offers himself not a formula. And what is your part? Your part is not to believe in a principle or a, or a theory or a promise. Your part is to believe in a person. You believe in him. You follow, you are following not, you're following a person. You're following Jesus, not a religious formula. Her parents were amazed, but he instructed them to tell no one what had happened. Jesus offers no formula. He doesn't even offer an explanation. He just offers himself. Sometimes he says to people, go into all the world. Sometimes he says to people, stay, like he did a couple weeks ago with the man who had the legions of demons. He, he wanted to go with Jesus, and Jesus says, stay and go back to your family. Proclaim to them the great things God has done. Sometimes he says proclaim, but sometimes he says like he did to these parents. Be silent. Her parents were amazed. Verse 56, he instructed them to tell no one about what had happened. You say, well, what was the reason behind that? There's lots of people who have opinions, but here's the thing we see very carefully that we often miss. Jesus doesn't do the same thing every time. He deals with people individually. The call is to follow Jesus, not a formula. We follow a savior, not a system. We follow, we believe in a person, not a belief system. The scriptures are not a formula, but a way of faith following. These people had faith, and then God did this. That's what the whole Bible is. He trusted God. He believed God, and this happened. He trusted God, and this happened. It wasn't every time. But they were examples that we might look at. You know, the sad thing about the Pharisees is they could quote scriptures. By the way, even the devil could quote scriptures. The Pharisees used the scriptures for justification for not following and recognizing the greatest revelation of God in human history, Jesus. Paul said to use the scriptures to build faith and hope to follow, not to become um, obsessive about the formula. Romans 15.4, Paul explains the, the scriptures. He says, For whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance and encouragement of the scriptures, we might 
have hope. He was talking about the scriptures are there to show us this is how we trust him. This is how God interacts with us. This is how God gets his family back. I want to remind you today something that you may have forgotten. God wants you. And for many of you, God wants you back. He wants you back. He wants you back close to him. Today, you're in the house of mourning, perhaps. He wants you to believe. He wants you back to where you can believe and be filled with hope. And I pray that will be true for you. You know, in this message, there may be some responses. You may be mourning right now. And you can respond to this in our next step response. At the bottom of this, below this, where the, the box is, where this video is, you can you can find our next step response and link for that. I'm mourning, you might say. Pray for me to receive comfort. You may be really mourning and you may be stuck. You've been mourning for a long time and you don't seem to get loose. You need help. You may say, I'm believing in Jesus for hope and salvation. Well, we want to pray for you and show you what to do next. And one thing you might want to do is, what is next? I want to be baptized as soon as possible. Well, if you're ready to be baptized, if you've trusted him for yourself, the next step for you to do is to have water baptism. And so we want to help you in that because water baptism is really a picture, symbolic picture of the hope that you have inside that Jesus took Jesus was buried and rose from the grave. And you too, though you are buried, will be raised up from the grave. You'll be restored fully. I want to thank you so much for watching this. And please share it with someone. And if you watch this and say, hey, I want to see this live, because it's always going to be a little bit different, uh, you can come to our services at Toledo First Baptist in Toledo, Washington. You can come and, and we have an 8 o'clock service, a 9.30 service, which was outdoors. For those of you that are still um, maybe you have underlying health issues or you're concerned about being indoors. And um, uh, then 11 o'clock service. And I'd love to see you. Thanks for watching or listening.